James chapter 1. So many times we look at great men of God like Brother Hagin, and we look at their lives and we, we say, well, how did you do that? And he'll give you the scripture and give you the way that he did it, even wrote some books about it. But, and so other people go out and say, well, I did that, and I did that, and I did that. Maybe even tithing, maybe even giving financially, or in healing, you did certain things. And you go, well, I did just what y'all said, but it didn't work. Because faith is a relationship. There's things that'll happen in a relationship, but if you were gonna if you were gonna get married and you were you were courting someone, you couldn't give them a list and say, "Well, you know, if you do this, we're happily married, we're forever and ever." Well, there's more than that. It's a relationship. And here in James, it talks about in verse five, if any of you lack wisdom. Well, now verse seven. If you go down there from there, the last part of verse seven, it'll say, "Shall receive anything of the Lord." So that word wisdom there. It is talking about wisdom, but you could put anything in there. If any man lack wisdom, it's a generic term. The context here is wisdom, but the, the work, it'll work for anything. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, or expectation is the word, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea. It's like you see the wave, and he's like one that is driven with the wind, someone that feels the wind. He sees the wave, and he feels the wind. In other words, he's carnal. He's sense-driven. He said, he that wavereth, he that goes back and forth, it's not like, well, I'm half faith and I'm half natural. Well, if you're half natural, it cancels out your half faith and your natural. In other words, we've got to get over in faith. You can't just say, well, i got a little faith. Can I have a little results? No. If you waver, it defaults to the natural side. Got that? And you see, that's been a big thing about Christians. Says, I believe in God, and I believe that he's good, and I believe he'll help me. Well, you've got to get it all the way over there. It's like being pregnant. can't be a little bit. You're, you either are or you aren't. Verse 7, For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So he's talking about here about getting it all over there and getting a focus. And that's my main thing. We're talking about the law of the first and how many of us being frustrated with the Lord saying, Lord, why is this faith message? Why is your word not working in my life? Because I'm in there. I'm a believer and I'm in the program and I want it to work for me. But it's not working like I see the word saying, and certainly not like what the pastor says and other ministers. It just doesn't seem like I'm getting the results, and, and I'm frustrated. So you need to understand that God is serious about some laws that he's put into motion, and that he has made it so that you and I are so equipped on the inside, these laws are easily embraced. It's not hard. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. So the way of faith is not hard. Oh, this faith life is hard. No, the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. The way of the rebel is hard. But the way of the faith man, the way of the believer is easy. See, a lot of times we want to serve in both yokes. Now that is a trick. Now that is a trick. Go both ways and not give up the world. You know, it doesn't mean that you don't sometimes slip back, but to, to not give it up, to say, I just can't give it up. It comes from not believing that God could replace even better than what you'd give up everything and so it's a transition but you just need to know if you're in the transition you're not going to have the same benefits as the man that's focused that says i'm in there this is my life and i it doesn't matter what it feels like it doesn't matter what the waves and the wind are doing this is my life 
And I'm not judging this message. I'm not judging God's word based on my experience. I'm just saying I'm going to change. I'm going to adjust until that thing comes to pass. But a lot of people want to argue with God and say, well, I'm doing it all. And if it ain't working, then it's not right. It's not working. It's God's not doing it. And so they're always that double-minded man. Because you'll always have the devil fooling with you. <laughs> Just about the time you say, God, I'm putting you to the test one more time, the devil gets in there and he fries the test and all of a sudden you're back to square one. You don't have it. We used to laugh about that saying, well, you know, uh, when I got healed that one time, I had my red socks on. So, you know, I need healing this time. Where are those red socks? You know, people have certain attributes. Seriously, not red socks maybe, but maybe so-and-so prayed for me. I'll get him to pray for me. Or we prayed it a certain way, or we hollered a certain way, or I used this scripture, and that's the key. When it wasn't that at all. That was just there when it happened, but it wasn't the key to it happening. So we've been talking about the law of the first, how God is adamant about being first and about having his kingdom first. And the rub with most Christians is not that they don't want to put God in there. They just have a trouble putting him in there first. God, you're in my life. Ooh, yeah, Lord, I'm a believer. But if we were to sift your life out, my life out, and sift it out and say, but where is he in the mix? He's in there. We know you're going to tithe. We know you're going to go to church. We know we're going to read the Bible. We know we're going to pray. We know we're going to do good and not do evil. But where is it? And see, we've tried to give him our life, but he wants it first. That's an adjustment there. See, then a lot of people don't want to give him first. We want to be on a schedule that says, listen, my plans are soft. Lord, let me get back to you on that. I don't know that I can do that this week. And he said, you know, until you can get it first and get it every time, you're not going to have the benefits of this good book. I mean, you'll, get, you'll hit it sometimes because sometimes we do put him first. And we always have success when we do. But it's not consistent enough in our life to us to draw a pattern to say, you know, every time I put him first, it is payola. It works. It comes to pass. And I do get to him. I do work with him. I do include him, but he's not first. It seems like it's if I didn't do it at all. See, and we need to wake up and say, you know, that's the missing ingredient. Like my red socks. It's not the red socks. It's something more concrete. It's something more that you can look to every single time, and you can say, that's, that's it. So all of your successes, everything that's ever worked in your life, was when you focused on Jesus and his kingdom, and you put him first. Say, I put him first. Put him first. See, now that's the key. Let's say it again. I put him first. He wants to be first. So I'm not talking to a people here that I say, well, get saved, you sinners, and get your rebellious lives on here and, and find God. We found him. We've got him. It's just now it's a matter of adjustment. And we didn't think he was all that particular, but he is. And it's a lordship thing. And you go, Lord, I'm already giving you a whole bunch. We're bought with a price, and we're not our own. He owns us all. We were on the the, the auction block of sin, we were slaves to sin, and he redeemed us out, and he owns us all. We have no legal right to hold back at all. He's just coming in requiring what's his. I said he's coming for what's his, and we are his, and we, we are lock, stock, and barrel. We're his. If he said you'll never eat a ginger snap again, now, I don't want you eating ginger snaps. They get in the way of your lordship with me. Ginger snaps are evil. You just need to throw those away. You just need to say, purge me, Lord. But if I like them every day, I'm never going to eat a ginger snap again. Or whatever. Matthew 6. Are we there? 
looked at this scripture about the law of the first. In verse 30, wherefore, this is a long discourse about uh, priority and the faithfulness of God. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven. In other words, he's talking about the vaporness of grass. He takes care of grass, which is so here today and dead tomorrow. It has no value, no longevity, no, no place in the kingdom. You just don't look at grass and say, you're up there. It is what we walk on. It's what cows poop on. It's what horses eat. It's, it's just grass. It's just nothing. And yet he said, I take care of the grass. That's the point. And uh, he said, and tomorrow is cast in the oven. Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith, Therefore, take no thought, no anxious thought, saying, What shall we eat, what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. And we've been making a contrast of these things, of all these things. But seek, so here's the answer, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first. Seek ye first. He didn't just say include, but he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. These things being what the Gentiles seek for and what you and I need. Clothing and just daily life. He said the way to get them, in a way that the Gentiles who have to work all day for theirs, it takes all of their life to live their life, he said is to seek my kingdom first. And he said by doing it first, which won't take all day, just it's a priority thing. Just do it first. He said, then by doing it first, the creation ability of, of his lordship will produce all these things. Now, it's, it's an amazing statement. It's a supernatural phenomenon that he said just adjusting. Because see, it's not like God said, just put me in your schedule. He said, just move me up to the top because the Lord's already in my schedule. How about yours? Of course, we're, we're all tithers in here. We're all givers in here. We're all lovers in here. We're all believing God. We're all on the God page. But we hadn't seen it like I know you and I believe. So he said, here's the adjustment. Move it to the front. You're going to do it anyway. You're going to give me what's mine anyway. Move it to the top. Move it to the first. And you'll see the ability of the position of what you give me will create everything that was in front of me. In other words, making a living and doing all the things that the Gentiles seek that kept him from being first. Well, that's going to require faith. That's going to require an adjustment because we have a long history in our lives of putting God in, but not necessarily first. And times that I look back and say where I put God first was when I was desperate, when what was going on in my life seemed to fade away to the one issue that I needed God to work in and we needed it now. We just couldn't wait until the end of the year or next time you got around to it. We needed something going on right now. And so I would put him first. People laugh and say, well, you know, it seems like God always just comes in at the last minute. Well, you know, that's when we get desperate. The last minute or when it's about to cave in is when we start putting him first. And then he shows up and we go, well, you know, there's God, you know, showing up the last minute. It, it makes the point here where we don't put him first until we need him, and when we need him, we put him first, and he was there all along. He was available from the first when it wasn't desperate. When you had six months, you just went to him first, say, Lord, here I am first. Putting you first, getting in the kingdom first. He said, let's not wait the last minute, let's get it right now. Who knew? 
Who knew it was just an adjustment? But back to that, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. We got to read the word and obey the word. Because this word is not made for the Gentiles, the heathen, the sinner. It's, they can read it. The devil reads it. The devil knows the Bible. Y'all, he can read. He can't understand very good, but he can read. And he knows what we have, but he is famous for propagating religion where we just say, well, close enough. And we've close enough this thing where it didn't work. Are you with me this morning? Hallelujah. So uh, the word first... We've never really gone there, but the word first means preceding all others. So you can see right there, first doesn't mean only. We've also in the church, I think, have had a concept of God wanted it all. Well, all of it is his, but religion has said, well, if you give everything to God, and this is what I thought when I got uh, born again, or, you know, filled with the Holy Ghost anyway, is that if I give it up to God, he's going he's gonna to say, ha, I got you. We're fixing to ship you off to Singapore or some nasty back street in Bangladesh or, you know, on the mission field, and you won't have nothing, and you can say bye to everything that's fun in America because I got you. So I kind of held back a little bit. I always kept a little piece of cardboard between me and the Lord to make sure he couldn't just, you know, straight up take me off. It was a mistake because then when I finally did let go, then that's when the good stuff came. That's when life really got good, but I was in bondage. I was fearful. And so it's not like God says, I want it all. He just says, I want it first. First means preceding all others in time, order, and importance. Time, order, and importance. So it's going to be like God's in the mix of a lot of other stuff. He wants you to go on vacation. He's got the best vacation you've ever had. You've never dreamed. Carnival has never given you an ad that you thought that's the best vacation you could have. God's got the best vacations, and he wants to give you one. But you go, well, where is it? Well, you have to put him first. When you put him in the mix, well, then the vacation just gets a carnal, natural, worldly context. You've got to work for it. You've got to save for it. You've got to schedule for it. And when you got to get back from it, you've got to work like a dog to catch up. You've got to pay. Well, that world has that. There's nothing special about that. I know some people don't go on vacation like others, but, but even going on vacation, it can be a trial. It's not like it's automatic. You have to have God go on your vacation with you <laughs> to make it a blessing. But the Lord wants you to go, well, you know, if I give it up to God, well, then I won't drive anything because I know he'll want everything I've got monetarily. It's just not so. He just wants the first. He wants the first, and nothing works very good until he gets the first. I've been telling y'all in the last few weeks and months how it's so important just in the matter of tithing, for an example. Not, we're not talking about tithing here, but it is an example of how you go, well, I'm tithing. Whenever we get a check back in the church, which means that it, it bounced, somebody wrote a tithe check and it came back. Sometimes they're a mistake, but you just know, and this is what you know, that it wasn't a bad person that gave that check that came back. You just know, or you don't know, but you could surmise that that tithe check wasn't the first check after the deposit. In other words, it was a tenth, but it wasn't the first. And somebody got paid. It was the car payment people got paid, the house payment got paid. Things got paid, but the tithe, it's not really a tithe, but it's 10%, got paid, but it wasn't first, or it wouldn't have bounced. Because there was, out of $1,000, if you tithed 100, 
there was $900 to cover it. It's like, okay, the tie check can't bounce because it's the first one out of the chute. It's, it's what God gets first. We should never get checks here for tithes that bounce. Now, uh, you could give one on an offering and have a miscalculation in your checkbook and, you know, you gave an offering. That's no reflection there. That's, you know, that's just, that's just bookkeeping. And we've all been there. I've been there, certainly. The other day, I balanced mine. And for no reason, no reason, I'm just going in there re-adding it. And for some reason, I gave myself $400 that there was no documentation. And I got my bank statement out. And sure enough, it was just a great idea, but it wasn't going to fly. I don't know where it came from. So you can, that can happen. We're talking about the tithe, though. It's got to come first to work. God wants it first. There's a lot of ways we can think about that. First means the beginning of something capable of being developed. The beginning. So first means the beginning. So when you say, well, we're going to build this building, and first we're going to pour a foundation, or first we're going to get some blueprints, or first we're going to buy the land, or whatever, there's a first there. And it's, it's always followed by other things. And God says, if you'll put me first, it'll be the beginning of good things to follow. But if you just stick me in there somewhere, hey, Lord, I tithed. Lord, I gave out of my check. But, Lord, I tithed. I did. This may bother you just a little bit, but let me just get it out here at the beginning. A tithe that is not first is not a tithe. It is an offering. The tithe, by definition... And we could go all through the word and out of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, and show it to you. The tithe means first. Now, we thought it meant the best. And we'll talk about this later where people have negotiated with God and said, Lord, I can't give you the first because really we're stretched this month. You know, it's just not there. But here's what I'll do. And here's what follows. I'll give you the two for one. I can't give you the 10% today, but down the road, I'll double up. Or, Lord, um, I can't give you quality time today. I can't give you the first of my day, but what I'll do is I'll give you twice as much time another day. Or I'll be twice as good another day. You understand, you go to negotiating and you begin to use the holy thing as a tool. And he is not able to negotiate the first. It's, it's non-negotiable. It's either first or it didn't happen. So people that say, I tithe, but their check came back, or whatever. I, I don't want to harp on that, but I, I want you to understand there's no way a true tithe could come back if it's a true tithe. It was just an offering, and you hadn't paid the tithe yet. And all you can do is repent. But you do have to repent. You have to say, Lord, I, I gave 10%, but I didn't give it first. Therefore, I didn't tithe out of that check. You go, well, now that's techno. You just load your life up, and you just tell me if it's working. If you've got it all together, if you're doing it and it's working for you and you go, wow, the, the windows of heaven are open and he's poured out a blessing. I, if it's not working for you, then you could be open to a little adjustment. You could be open to a little bit of supervision from the word, a little teaching, a little Holy Ghost judgment, as it were, to say, I'm going to judge myself lest I go off like the heathen, the sinner that just don't have it. And disappointment is ruling your life. You're cautious with the Lord. You don't want to step out with healing because the tithe isn't working. You don't want to step out and be bold with someone that needs Jesus because you don't have a confidence that he's working in your life. Well, here's the adjustment. Put him first. You're already putting him. 
Just put him first. Let's talk about Adam and Eve. Now, here's the man and woman, the first one. And they were given total authority in the earth. Are we agreed? Total authority. God said, I'm going to put my man in charge. And here's the first one. Here's his wife. Total authority. Genesis 1:28. He said, I'm giving him dominion. And here's the bottom line of it. It says, God said, I give you total dominion. He said, there's one tree. Don't touch. Now, remember, there was nothing about that tree that they needed. Don't eat. He said, don't eat of that tree. But there was nothing on that tree they needed. Because you understand, they had no knowledge of evil. They had no enemy whatsoever. So the knowledge of good and evil was not a thing they needed in their life. God was not withholding. Amen. It's like if you bought a car and the salesman at the closing said, by the way, it's an eight-cylinder, and by the way, we've got this extra piston we want to just give you. And you go, I don't need that. Yeah, but here's a piston. And we, we got it at cost, and we just put it in the contract there. This piston just cost you $50. I don't need a piston. If it's not in the engine, I don't need it. Yeah, but here, see, they didn't need anything about that tree. There was no evil. They had no knowledge of evil, and there was no enemy. They had no enemy. But they were deceived. So there was no tolerance about the tree. Now, I want you all to get this. There was no tolerance about the tree. There was no, you know, three strikes and you're out. I told you all last time you all ate of the tree, don't eat of it. Now, if I have to tell you again, no, one bite, and they're gone. Say no tolerance. tolerance. See, the law of the first here was magnified because God came and talked to them directly. So when he talks to you directly, there's no tolerance. If you have to get it from example, if you have to just go out and see what Jonathan's doing, I see Jonathan's blessed, and you know, I've noticed that he does this and he does that. He's real nice to his wife, and he, he, he serves God. You know, I'm going to do what Jonathan does. That's a, that's a secondary or an indirect way of learning God's way. So you've got some latitude. But when God talks to you, there's no tolerance. And then the bottom line was, is that God used that tree as a reminder. And here's what he did. He said, this tree is there. You don't need it. There's nothing here for you in it, but it's a reminder. Every time you go by, you're not just saying, well, there's the apple tree. There's the pear tree. There's the blueberry bush. You know, that tree reminds me that we are totally dependent on God. We have all authority. We are totally in dominion here on the earth, but we're under God. God just needed a reminder. He, there was nothing there and they needed. And they went around it and went in. The sin was is they didn't put God first. They didn't put his commandments first. And it cost them big. Now I'm here to surmise with you that every time things don't go well with you, it's not that you're a bad person. It's not that God doesn't love you. It's not that your faith doesn't work. It's a small thing. It's that we didn't put him first. And I think everybody in here could look at their own life and say, got me. I got things in my life, not everything, but there's things in my life where, you know, that's not too cool, but it's because now I see I'm not putting him first. And of course, there's a whole much more that the Holy Ghost could reveal to us that if we were to seek him, he'd show us more. We're not looking for, for condemnation, of course, but we could seek him and say, Lord, what about this first thing? If it's important to you, I'm going to make it important to me. Turn with me to Exodus 34. After Adam and Eve, in that scenario of not putting him first, 
God had another man. His name was Noah. And Noah was the first man that God set up government with. It's the first time government was put in the earth. God said, a man is going to carry out the judgment of God. Then he got to Abraham, and he said, you know, i got to get a redeemer back in the earth. i got to get this Messiah back in, and I need a man who will command his family after him. So you know what he did? He took Isaac, who was the son of promise. He told Abraham, take him up the hill, the hill that I tell you, build an altar. You know the story. Raise the knife, take your son, sacrifice him. And then just as he raised the knife, the angel came and said, you have passed the test. And here's the sacrifice. And so Abraham passed the first test to put God first. And when he did, everything opened up to him. He's the father of faith. We still know about this man just because he took something that was precious to him and he began to value it like God valued it. And he said, I'm going to take on your system and I'm going to put what you say is first, first, and I'm going to put everything else second or last. And God said, if you'll do that, I'll give you everything. Now, if he did it for Abraham, he'll do it for you. Oh, family, I'm excited about this. I'm excited about what this means because it's not a climb every mountain, swim every sea, walk on hot coals, do without chocolate, you know, go to bed by 7 o'clock, that sort of thing. It's a put God who I'm already putting in my life, I'm already doing everything, just change the schedule and put him first. All these things that I'm suffering for and, and chasing after and struggling with, he said will be added to me. Now that's special. It's either true or it's a bald-faced lie. So I'm going for it. And so we have examples here. In Exodus 34, God began to set up a system with his people after Noah and after Abraham. He got Moses, and he said, I want you to set up this system. So you know what he did? He came down the hill and gave them the Ten Commandments. He gave them rules of conduct. And what you know what the Ten Commandments are was put God first. No other gods, don't, don't steal, don't lie, that sort of thing. Then he had the law of the tabernacle. He said, I'm going to put my presence in this, this tent, and don't just come in out like a supermarket, a convenience store. We're going to have rules, and you be washed, and you be clean, and be, there's rules here. And then he had the animal sacrifice. And so, you know, we had to have certain animals at certain times and certain conditions, and the people had their sin atoned for. So there's laws here. And then he finally came up with this law of the first, and in chapter 34, verse 19, let's just look there real quick, and we'll, 19, it says, uh, God had this rule of the first. He said, all that openeth the matrix is mine. Now, he's talking about the firstborn. He that openeth, so that would be the first one. It wouldn't be subsequent ones, but the first one is mine, and every firstling among thy cattle, whether ox or sheep, that is, that is male. But the firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb. So God set up these clean and unclean animals, and he said, if it's a clean animal, he said, and it's in your flock, first mama sheep has her first sheep, he said, that one's mine. Now, we thought that he wanted the best, that we could negotiate with God and say, Lord, you know, I'm just starting out, got a family here, we're trying to get the herd going. I need this lamb. I need this lamb. But listen, once we get going, I'll give you three for one. I'll be back in September, and we'll, you'll be so glad. It'll be, you'll have three times more. Lord, don't, don't be a fool. Don't take one when you can just wait a little while and have three. And we've all entered into that in some arena. 
And the Lord didn't say, I want the best. He said, I wanted the first. Well, usually when it's the first, it is the best to us because of the position of the money or the time or whatever. It is our best because we need it now. Our tithe is the best. It's the best because down the road you can afford it better. But like right now, I need this. And he said, no negotiations. Are you with me? Okay. Okay, in verse 20, but the first thing of the ass, thou shalt redeem with a lamb. So there was five kinds of clean animals. There was the turtle dove and the pigeon, the, the goat, the sheep, and the ox. And he says, if you have one of those, you bring that firstborn, you bring it to me. It's mine. But he said, if you have something else, if you have a donkey or a whatever else is out there, I don't know, yaks or llamas or whatever, he said, don't bring that, redeem that with a lamb. And he said, and if you redeem him not, then shalt thou break his neck. Now, you just got to wonder, what would God care about a broken-necked donkey? And you don't want to redeem it with a lamb. You don't want to bring a lamb out of the flock and redeem this donkey. And so he said, well, if you're not going to bring it, break its neck. So you got to ask yourself, God, what would be a greater benefit to me than this donkey to you for me to break its neck? God's saying here, he said, the law of the first. If you'll make me first with everything you have, it'll be better than the value of a donkey colt. He said, the value of this donkey, this colt, that you're going to keep, you're going to raise it up and sell it or use it and, and sire other ones. He said, the value of that is fixed, but the value of putting me first, redeeming it with a lamb, goes on and on and on. This is real good. It's going to help us. He said, I don't have a lamb. I don't have a sheep that I can redeem it. He said, well, break the neck. And then the next one you can have. If Mama Donkey has 43 colts, you'd have all of them after the first one. But he says, we're going to do something with the first one, or you're not going to do business with me. Either redeem it and keep the donkey, or break its neck. But it's holy to me. And if you use it for a common thing, if you raise it and work it and use it and, and trade it and whatever you do, if you use it for common things, you have defiled the holy thing and you have defiled me. And God gets real personal about the first. See, it's a matter of trust. It's a matter of, Lord, I trust you that the value of this colt, you're going to make it up. And it's going to be better, more profitable for me, that you wouldn't cause me to lose it's going to be better. And God said, so fast, it'll make your head swim. In so many ways, you can't count it. In so many avenues, you'll be shouting and praising and declaring me, oh, I hope we have a whole bunch of more firstborn so we can get into this. That's what he's saying. But you had to go in there and either break its neck or you had to haul off Junior, which was, you know, your kid's favorite lamb. You had to haul him off and take him to the priest. And the priest, it's not like the priest would say, "Woo, we're having lamb chops tonight. It had nothing to do with that. What they did with the, with the lamb, whether to sacrifice it or to eat it, you know, as far as the Levitical thing, didn't matter to you. You had honored God. You had put him first. Look there in Leviticus chapter 27. We'll quit with this. Praise the Lord. Look in verse 26. It says in verse 26, only the firstling of the beast. That's pretty clear, isn't it? The first one, only the firstling of the beast, which should be the Lord's firstling, no man shall sanctify it, whether it be ox or sheep, it is the Lord's. And if it be of an unclean beast, then shall he redeem it according to thine estimation, and shall add a fifth part of it thereto, or if it be not redeemed, then it shall be sold according to thy estimation. Notwithstanding, no devoted thing 
that a man shall devote unto the Lord of all that he hath, both of man and beast, and of the field of his possession, shall be sold or redeemed. Every devoted thing is most holy unto the Lord. So he's got this thing about the devoted thing being the first thing. Now, if you went back, and you don't have to, but back there in Exodus, he talks about that humans of our children, he said, you will always redeem your children. He said, you show up after you have your firstborn, you show up at the priest and you redeem that son, you redeem that child. And he goes in there how to redeem it. And it was costly. It was significant. It was, if they were a rich family and him and mama just had their first one, he said, you guys bring an ox. But if it was like Mary and Joseph, he said, you bring a turtle dove. That was on the, that was on the poor end of the scale. But it was significant. It was a part of their income. Well, the tithe is that same way now. People just get stiff-necked about the tithe. But the Lord doesn't require anything but a percentage. For the rich, it's considerable. An ox was a very valuable thing back then. A turtle dove, if you were poor enough, you had to go buy a turtle dove or a pigeon or a lamb or an ox or a goat. There was five things you could do. And the Lord said, it's all based on who you are, but it costs the same. The tithe costs the same for everybody. When you're starting out and you're making $100 a week, and dear Lord, 10 bucks is significant. It's 10 bucks. When your daddy got rocks, you know, you, it doesn't matter when you got gold everywhere. But even then, 10% of 10 million is a million. But if you don't start out when you've got 100 and you're given the 10, you can't bear. You can't bear to tithe when you get rich. That's why Jesus said it's hard for rich folks that were rich before the kingdom to come into the kingdom because that 10% just bounces them. They can't bear it. Well, I worked hard for that. And I, you know, we, me and mama did without. And we raised our kids with just one pair of shoes. And we, you know, and they've got a story about how they made it. Whereas someone that just starts out says, you know, we didn't have nothing and God gave it all to us. And everything we got came from him, and this is no problema. This is not a thing. We just, if he sends us a million, if he sends us a hundred, it doesn't matter. We honor him with the first. It's just part of you. It's like seeing out of both eyes. It just comes natural. We're going to talk about some other things like Jericho.